So glad to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. And I know that I have the unenviable position of being the only thing between you and a good Easter meal. And that's not a good place to be when I see hunger written on your face. Some of you didn't eat breakfast this morning. I hope you got your coffee. But I do believe that we're in a good place today and God is going to do some great things. Amen. It's great to have all of our guests with us today. We have a gift for you. If you'll see us in the foyer after service, we would like to share our appreciation with you for being here today. Not about us, it's about Him. Amen. And I'm thankful for the blessings of the Lord. They're waving something at me in the back. And they need to come right now. I feel it's in the will of God. Easter's a great day to give. If you've got an offering, it's time to get it out. If you didn't come with an offering, shame on you. You ought to always come to the house of the Lord with a spirit of giving because the Lord has certainly given to us. Thank you, Lord, for this day and for every blessing. Minister, Lord, I pray in the Word and through your Spirit and bless the offering as we give in the blessed name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. 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 I want to thank the ladies' ensemble for that beautiful song and the kids. They were awesome. Amen. I said they were awesome. Some of you folks think getting up here just easy. It just get up there and it just flows out and you feel just so free and liberated. You get up here and see several hundred eyes looking at you and and, and it's it's a different story for them to get up here and do that. I I applaud them. I want to thank Sister Jill and those that work with her and helping put together that. Brother Joey, thank you for the beautiful music. We had a couple of other songs, but I felt like that song right there really set the stage for what I believe the Lord wants to speak to us about today. But before I get started, I don't know if you heard, but this week there was a, a man, he was just wonderful day and just blissfully driving down the highway when he saw the Easter bunny hopping down the side of the road and being a cautious man, he tried to swerve, and at the last second, that Easter bunny just hopped right out in front of his car, and bam, he ran over it, knocked eggs everywhere, candy all over the place. <clears throat> and uh, now he, he was just distraught. He whipped over to the side of the road and jumped out of his car and ran back to see what had happened to the Easter bunny, and lo and behold, he was dead, dead as a mackerel candy everywhere and he looked at that situation and he just guilt came over him and he just fell on his knees and he just started weeping and crying and this woman driving by she sees this man on the side of the road crying over this little rabbit so she whips off the side of the road and comes back and says sir what's wrong he said oh I feel so bad he said I accidentally hit the Easter bunny a while ago and he said I'm afraid that Easter isn't going to be able to be enjoyed because of me. I, I don't know what to do. What, what should I do? So I said, oh, don't, don't worry. I know exactly what to do. And so she went back to her trunk and she lifted the lid and pulled out a spray can and came walking back up and leaned over that dead bunny and sprayed that thing down as good as she could. And all of a sudden, miraculously, that bunny started moving, got back up on his feet, 
gathered up all of his eggs, put all the candy back in the basket, smiled, waved, hopped off down the road about 50 yards, stopped, turned, waved, and that they saw it going out of sight. It was every 50 yards. It was stop, wave, and smile, and hop off. man said, my heavens, what in the world was in that can? She said, oh, it's right here on the label. Hairspray restores life to dead hair and adds a permanent way. I don't know about the Easter Bunny, but I know who is alive today. And he didn't need anybody spraying anything on him to bring him back to life. He came back on his own. Amen. Some of you need to smile a little bit. It's all right to laugh a little. God bless you today. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. Psalms chapter 45. I am going to read one verse of Scripture, and then I am going to the book of John and read a couple of verses. John chapter 19 and chapter 20. Read two verses from both of those chapters. But first, let me direct you to the book of Psalms chapter 45 and verse number 8. And it says of him, All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia. Out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. Everybody say all. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia. John chapter 19, if you pick up at the end of the chapter, you will find in verse 39 that it says, And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. And then in chapter 20 and verse number 4, So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he went not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning about the resurrection, a fragrance of grace. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. It is always a challenge for me on Easter simply because there is no way in the human vernacular that I could express to you all of the glories of what happened on that first resurrection morning. I am certainly not adequate even today, but though it happened almost 2,000 years ago, what happened then is still with us today. And I am thankful. That is the reason that we rejoice. Because He is alive. Hallelujah. He is alive forevermore. And on that day, something was broken. Something was unleashed. And certainly many things were fixed on that occasion. All that was set in motion and uh, all that began to 
take place is beyond our description. No one rescued him. He got up by himself. The great Easter tidings of the ages past, they still thrill my soul when I hear them this morning. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, for he is risen. There is something about that that still thrills my soul. And it makes me want to lift my hands and rejoice because I serve a living Savior. I serve a living Lord. Behold the place, they said, where the Lord lay. But he's not there any longer. The only thing remaining were the garments that were wrapped around his body that had been saturated with a hundred pounds of oils and spices so that they could preserve that body. But today he is alive. He is very much alive and even in this service today. And I feel his presence. He rose triumphant. He rose victorious. And I am thankful again today to say that I serve a living Lord and the living Christ. I thought it was amusing earlier this week. My brother called me. There had been an interception of a meeting over in another part of the world. And those who hate Christianity were together. And they made this statement. We have to do away with the one with the cross. And when I heard that, I smiled and said, you got to get in line. They've been trying to do that for 2,000 years, and they haven't done it yet, and they're not going to do it because you cannot conquer the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is forever my King. Hallelujah. And though the resurrection is an old, old story, today it is fragrant with the sweet aroma of a perfume of another world. As you step forth in the dawning of this new day and you breathe deep, you breathe and inhale the fragrance of grace, of mercy, of love, of compassion. Out of our text in the book of Psalms comes the prophecy of the Messiah. It is one of the messianic prophecies of the Old Testament concerning Jesus The psalmist set him in his splendor as the king of kings. And as he contemplated this king of kings and lord of lords, he became so overwhelmed in his consideration that he became almost speechless. The first verse says that my heart is indicting a good thing. The word there is very indicative of the state of mind that he was in. He was overwhelmed by the wonder of wonders. His amazement gushes out of him like an artesian well. And that word indicting in the original means bubbling or overflowing. So full was his heart with these thoughts that he could hardly get the words out of his mouth before another word came and another description and another understanding. He cannot contain the flood tide of joy that overwhelms him as he thinks 
of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he unleashes a torrent of words that describe him in his majesty. He begins the psalm by talking about his grace. The throne that the king sits upon is a throne of grace. He is the Lord of all grace. And he is the king of all kings. His grace is what causes me to sing today. It is his goodness and his mercy that lead me to repentance. He has changed my life forever because of his wonderful grace. From his grace he goes to his glory. He begins to talk about the glory that shone upon the face of Moses. And the influence was so great that when Moses returned to his people... He had to cover his face because of the glory of God. It was the same glory that shone on the road of Damascus when Saul of Tarsus was stricken blind. But he laid that glory aside and earthly life was to be his. But on resurrection morning, all of the glories that he had laid down, he had put them back on. And now he reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. His ministry is glorious. His might is glorious. He is magnificent in his place and position. He is certainly one to be praised And I would like for you to do that with me right now. Just praise Him for His wonderful glory. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. He moves from His glory to the great government of this king. He was a warrior king. The engagement fought at Golgotha. There the armed might of the world was marshaled together against him with all the principalities and powers of hell. They rose against him on that day. And on that day he took all that hell could dish out to him and he took it into a grave and he buried it there forever. And then he took from hell the keys of death and the grave, and he come out on resurrection morning with a victory that can never be defeated. Ah, my friend, today the reason I am excited is because the Bible says that of his government there shall be no end. He is going to reign eternal, and it is going to be a perfect reign, and it's going to be a wonderful, glad day when he reigns in all lives as King of kings and Lord of lords. But then he gets to the part of Scripture that we read to you this morning, and he begins to consider the garments of this King of kings. As impressed as he was by the personality of the king and by the power of the king and by all of the other things that are mentioned, what struck him at this moment was the fragrance the aroma, the smell of the garments that this king wore. And they smelled of myrrh and aloes and cassia. Not a faint odor, not a slight smell, but the scripture indicates that his garments were saturated. They were completely drenched in these things. When the Bible speaks of of Nicodemus coming 
he brought a hundred pounds of spice. Now, I don't know how you understand that, but folks, that's a whole lot of sweetness. That's a whole lot of preservative to bring for a burial. Maybe that was normal. I don't know. Some historians say that only kings were allowed that amount of anointing or that amount of spice at burial. Whatever, I just know this, that when the psalmist looked ahead and saw that day, he saw garments that were saturated and dripping and drenched with myrrh and aloes and cassia. So what does all of that mean? It simply means that the garment that smelled of myrrh speaks a truth about His grace. You see, myrrh came from a scraggly, thorny tree that was in no wise beautiful, but it was bought and sold at a very high price. There was a time in the history of man that myrrh and gold sold for the same amount of money. When it was wounded, that ugly tree would give forth a resin, and that gum-like substance had such a strong scent to it that a piece of that, the size of a chestnut, when brought into a room, would completely overwhelm that room with its sweet aroma. It was a desirable part of perfume. It was part of the original anointing oil that was preserved for the priesthood. And only a little bit of it was needed. When placed in the closed space, it became filled with the atmosphere of its sweet aroma. So when I think of the myrrh, I think of the sweetness of our Savior. Oh, the sweet aroma of grace. I am thankful today that I have smelt and I have been a participant in that great fragrance of His sweetness. Hallelujah. There are some who see Him only as a historical figure. There are some who see Him as a great philanthropist. There are some who see Him as a wise man. There are some who see Him as a grand subject for a painting or a great theme for a poem or a great form for a statue. But to those who have heard Him speak in their hardness and speak in the midst of their sorrows as He did to Mary, oh, what a sweet sound His voice was on that day. Mary, it's me, Mary. Do you recognize my voice? For the forlorn travelers who were trudging down a lonely road, and suddenly He is there walking with them, talking with them, conversing with them, and their heaviness is lifted off of their life. Oh, to them, He was a sweet fragrance of grace. Or to those whose hands have touched His hands, when you are in your confusion and doubt and fear, said not to look for a tomorrow. God steps forth and says, Behold my hands, and allows him to touch him. He is everything that thrills my soul today. I am excited when I preach about the sweetness of his grace. It thrills me because I have been a participant in that grace. Amen. He is sweet as the friend that sticks to you when all others flee. 
lifting you up when others are pushing you down. The fragrance of His grace and love and mercy is ever there. You cannot wear it out. You cannot put it down. We put, it on, put on Him all of our burdens. We afflict Him with all of our griefs. We set Him foremost in our battles. Why? Because He is capable of lifting every load and carrying every burden. Oh, yes, my friend, there is no name like His name. There is no name as sweet as the name of Jesus. His name is more imperial than Caesar's. It is more musical than Beethoven. It is more conquering than Napoleon's. It is more eloquent than Shakespeare's. It throbs with life. It speaks to me hope. It ministers to me in my pain. His name is Jesus. And I smell a sweet fragrance of grace in this place today. I smell the sweet fragrance of His unmerited favor. He stoops to the condescended. He breathes the perfume of His grace upon our lives. And we are never the same. Who like Jesus can set a broken heart or a broken home or a broken life? Who has eyes like His to see our need and lips to kiss our sorrows and hands to snatch us out of the fire and feet that will trample our enemies? A heart that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Oh, how sweet. How can you describe him? You can only say that his garments smell of myrrh. His garments smell of the sweetness of grace. Oh, thank God for his grace today. Thank God for that name that is above every name. His garments smell of alloys. This is not the alloys that we think of in America. Though there is some difference of opinion among most scholars, most of them believe that it comes from an Asian tree known as the alloys wood or eagle wood. Its wood was stripped and used for winding the bodies of the dead for burial. It was crushed and made part of a mixture that brought a preservative. It is known the world over as a symbol of bitterness. It represents the unsavory things of life. And at Calvary, he bore on himself all of the bitterness of my life and yours. And he carried all of that into a tomb. And he buried it there to never come out again. Isaiah had it right. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. And as a root out of a dry ground, he hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes 
we are healed. I'm here to tell somebody that His grace bore sin's bitterness and took it to the grave. And He came forth victorious over it all. The alloys of His grace will cover the bitter odors of death with a fragrant preservative aroma. I'm so glad for that grace that covers, that grace that covers. Hallelujah. I read somewhere in my studies this week that there were many that used this alloys as a fumigant. Now, I, I had to go look that word up because I thought I knew what it meant. But in its literal translation, it is speaking about a pesticide. Something that was used to keep the bugs away. Something that could cover an area and keep the undesirable things out of that place. Isn't that what grace does for all of us? Doesn't grace come if sweet aroma comes into our life? And when that grace comes in, it drives out all of that ugly stuff of what we were and what we could have been and what we said and what we did. And in its place comes that sweet aroma. Grace. Grace. God's grace. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to praise Him for grace that can cover. Ah, yes. Grace that can cover all the stinky stuff of life. (laughs) Praise God. That's why I'm excited this Easter morning. Because grace is greater than all of my sins. Amen. Grace is greater than all of my sins. His garments smell not only of those things, but he said they smell of cassia. One of the principal spices of the anointing oil. Some believe it was an odorous evergreen found in India. Others believe it was some sort of plant. Whatever the case, it was used as a fragrant incense. But more particular, it was used for its medicinal purposes. Most of those who believed thought that it had the ability to heal all sorts of ailments. That when you would bring that substance in, it is very much akin to cinnamon that we know in our modern world. And many people take cinnamon for all kind of problems. I tell me it's good for heart, it's good for blood pressure, it's good for uh, whatever, I guess ails you, I don't know, but that's what they tell me. Whatever, I know this much about grace, grace does heal. Cinnamon might not heal, but grace heals because I have been healed by the grace of God. I am here today because when I opened my heart to Him, there was a fragrance, there was an aroma, there was a substance that came into my life, and it brought a healing virtue. It healed my mind, it healed my heart, it healed my spirit, it healed my soul. Oh, hallelujah. His grace heals. How many of you are sitting here today because of the healing grace of God? (laughs) Oh, yes, the healing grace of God. Because we desperately needed His healing, He came. Sick, heartbroken, tormented minds 
wounded spirits. What is one to do? We can come with all of our wounds of the soul and get his blessings because grace heals. Amen. Grace heals. It heals every hurt. It heals every pain. It heals every broken heart. Grace heals completely. Thank God for grace. And that aroma. Some of you have tried to figure it out. You, Brother Hughes, I don't know what it is, but when I come to church, it's like I sense something. It's like when I step into this place and we begin to worship. It's like something's in the atmosphere. It's the aroma of grace. Hallelujah. It's the aroma of grace. And Easter brings the scent of new hope because there's healing in the resurrection. Amen. There's a covering from the resurrection. There is a sweetness that comes because of the resurrection. I close with the words of Philip Brooks, aged pastor of years gone by, who said the tomb. Thou shalt not hold him longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark, the light. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Faith and hope triumphant say, Christ will live on Easter Day. Hallelujah. Let's stand together and let's praise him one more time. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, grace of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I have been so excited all week to want to preach that I couldn't hardly wait till I got here. Because all week long, I've been sensing that aroma that I'm trying to get you to sense and smell right now. That sweet Jesus. Oh, sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. No one like him. Nobody. The sweetest name I know. Amen. The sweetest name I know. You can be in the most bitter of circumstances and start saying the name of Jesus. <sighs> Something happens. Amen. You can begin your day in the worst way. If you'll just take a moment and stop and begin to speak that name. Jesus. 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 All of a sudden, sweetness. There is this fragrance that starts wafting through life. Amen. Sweeter than the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, Jesus, my Savior. Oh, no wonder the writer said, oh, sweet wonder. Oh, sweet wonder. Jesus, the Son of God. I don't even know if we know that song anymore. That's an old. Do you know it, Brother Joey? Sing it. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
sweet wonder. 